This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 22nd, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. There are plenty of sources of authority cited by President Obama as he pursues bombing strikes in Libya. Unfortunately, the only source of approval he doesn't cite is the one he actually needs, the explicit approval of the U.S. Congress. Cato Institute Vice President Gene Healy comments. Well, a couple of days in about 100 or so Tomahawk missiles into this war, uh, the president just got around the other day to finally notifying Congress, and he sent them a letter which ends with the same boilerplate authorities that you've seen cited by presidents in the past, that uh, he's ordered this operation in accordance with his constitutional authority to, to as commander-in-chief and chief executive. What specific uh, authority does he cite? He ends the letter with the the boilerplate phraseology that you see from a lot of presidents in the past is constitutional authority to conduct U.S. foreign relations and his powers as commander-in-chief and the chief executive. You know, in a way, this is really something, because after all the, the hope and change rhetoric we heard on the campaign trail, all the criticisms of the Bush administration's imperialistic approach toward executive powers, it turns out Bar- that Barack Obama agrees with John Yoo, the Bush administration lawyer who's written that the president has, quote, the right to start wars. But under our Constitution, the president doesn't have any such right. The power to create a war and the power to conduct a war are pretty clearly separate, aren't they? Yeah, if you look at the passages, the the powers that, that President Obama cites in that letter, I mean, take the commander-in-chief clause. Uh, even Hamilton, who was an advocate of broad executive authority, admitted in Federalist 69 that the, the commander-in-chief role just meant that the president was the, quote, first general or admiral of the United States forces. And generals and admirals are important. They have a lot of power, but they don't get to say whether, when, or with whom we go to war. The fact is the framers thought that the executive was the branch most prone to war, and they they sought to check that propensity. Uh, Madison put it about the declare war clause that in no part of the Constitution was there more wisdom to be found than in that clause, the clause that leaves the question of war and peace to the legislator, legislature and not to the executive. In 2007, President Obama responded to a question, a very specific question, and he gave a very specific response that seems to leave, would seem to leave, no question about how he felt on the matter. Yeah, Charlie Savage, who uh, a reporter who uh, won the Pulitzer Prize for his work on executive power, uh, in late 2007 gave a questionnaire to all the major candidates there. And it was a detailed questionnaire probing their views on executive power. And he asked uh, President Obama about the scope of the president's war powers. And Obama answered that the president lacks the constitutional power to unilaterally authorize a military attack in a situation that doesn't involve stopping an actual or imminent threat to the nation. And uh, Hillary Clinton, who from most of the accounts was uh, somebody really pounding the war drum within the administration, gave almost the same answer. She said the Constitution requires Congress to authorize war. Uh, How you square 
those views with the views of the administration now in this ongoing air war over Libya is uh, something you'd have to be a pretty clever lawyer to figure out. Well, then how clever a lawyer is President Obama? We're going to find out, but uh, judging by his administration's attempts to distinguish that statement, uh, not very clever at all. Uh, One of the things they've been saying uh, in papers in recent days is that, uh, well, this mission is, you know, it's time limited, it's well defined, it's discreet. Uh, Well, first of all, uh, I don't know where you get that distinction out of the Constitution. Uh, The president says it's going to, I've got a plan here and it's going to be a limited war. Uh, I, I don't see that distinction drawn in the constitutional text. And as we know from uh, the Korean police action on, limited wars, allegedly limited wars, have a, a real way of transcending their limits. And that's one of the reasons it's uh, prudent for us to follow the constitutional processes. Didn't President Obama also say that he met with some key members of Congress as if as if that conferred some some authority onto him. Yeah, he uh, he did some consultation. He uh, he uh, he seemed to devote a lot more time to securing the pr- the approval of the Arab League and the United Nations Security Council than he did to actually getting formal congressional approval for this adventure. Uh, but uh, be that as it may, the the Constitution doesn't require quote unquote consultation. Uh, that's what. John Boehner actually, uh, after the, the uh, bombs were in the air, uh, said that he approved of the uh, of of the action, but that president needs to do a better job of uh, consulting with Congress. I mean, I, I guess perhaps Speaker Boehner zoned out uh, during Article One, Section Eight, and the Congress's power to declare war when he had uh, them read the the Constitution on the House floor back in January. So Congress's role here. Uh, in order for the Madisonian conception of the Constitution really to work, the powers that you have, be it Congress or states or the president, you, you kind of have to want to have that power, right? You have, to, you have to be willing to fight for it, to keep it out of somebody else's hands. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The way Madison saw the system working was that each branch would fight to defend its own turf. But the erosion of Congress's power over the decision to go to war is as much a matter of uh, congressional abdication as it is of presidents trying to, to, to seize what isn't theirs by right. And what you're seeing on the Hill now is that the so-called vital center uh, of each party, uh, they're not too upset about this. They really, they, they'd rather punt this kind of question of the president. Uh, you're, where you're seeing objections are from uh, people that are well to the right and the left of the the center of their party, people uh, on the right like uh, Ron and Rand Paul and uh, Congressman Amash of, of Michigan, and on the left from uh, folks like Dennis Kucinich and uh, Gerald Nadler. Uh, the uh, Politico actually quoted a Democratic congressman a, a day or so ago with a pretty stunning statement that I think set, sums up where we are now. Uh, this Democratic congressman complained, they consulted the Arab League, they consulted the United Nations, they did not consult the United States Congress. And I think that's a major problem. Gene Healy is vice president of the Cato Institute and author of The Cult of the Presidency. You can read the full book at Cato.org.